Welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. This week's message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Hoyt. Well, this morning we are beginning a new series of messages called Real Faith for Regular People. And it's based on the truly meaningful and helpful insights that we find in the book of James. And James is well known for being a practical book. It doesn't spend a whole lot of time pondering the deeper aspects of theology. The focus of James really is on how we should live and deal with the real life situations that we face every single day. And one of the great things about James is that as it does that, it has a very down-to-earth approach that really makes sense for regular people like you and me. But there is another level to the book of James that people sometimes miss. And that level is, is this, that although James is practical, it is also very spiritual, And people sometimes miss that because oftentimes in our mind, we think that spiritual means complicated and difficult by definition, right? That is often how we think about it. That's why in our culture, we are so prone to believe that spirituality is something that you only find on a mountaintop in some distant place, or maybe it's only something that could be achieved here by super spiritual, special people, that only they're the type that could really have faith. Well, in contrast to all of that, James teaches a a spirituality that you live. It's not about going to some far off place seeking mysterious knowledge, and it's not about somehow needing to become some sort of super saint. No, James is about an organic kind of spirituality that can grow up right here, right now in our lives. And that's why for our decor for this series, we've asked you all to send in some pictures of yourself just in your daily lives. And we've got some of those up here. We'd love to receive more of those. And the reason is because the picture of faith that James is giving is this. It's real faith is lived out in the lives of regular people as they put their faith into practice each day. And we'd love to have your mug shot up there. So send that to us. So the call of James, again, is simply to put our faith into practice each day. And if we do that, here's the thing. We can grow spiritually in amazing ways. Now, before we get started, I want to uh, tell us a little bit more about the book of James just to set the stage. So scholars have, as they do for many books of the Bible, some various ideas about who wrote the book of James. However, I feel actually that the strongest is the traditional view that it is written by James, the brother of Jesus. And there are lots of reasons for my my belief that the traditional view is the right one. One of the most important is that this was the universal view of the early church. And these are people who are much closer in time to the life of Jesus, thousands of years closer than we are. And that's what they knew of the book of James. Now, some scholars suggest that the Greek of James is too refined for a Palestinian Jew. And others suggest that the theology of James 
um, seems to lean on Paul, which would mean it was written too late to be written by James. But all of these, in my mind, amount to scholarly speculation, not any real evidence of anything. So I really do believe that this book was written by James, the brother of Jesus. So let's talk about James, the brother of Jesus, for a minute, because his story is kind of interesting, and that that starts out in maybe the most interesting way. We learn in the book of John that neither James nor any of Jesus' other brothers believed in him at first. They, They did not believe in Jesus at first. And, you know, that's kind of understandable, isn't it? it would probably have been pretty hard to wrap your mind around the fact that your brother is the son of God, right? Can you imagine that? You know, mom, Jesus is bugging me. (laughs) Well, I don't think so, son, since he's the sinless Lord. You know, I mean, that's hard to wrap your mind around. But somewhere along the line, things changed for James and Jesus' other brothers. In fact, by the time the book of Galatians is written and the book of Acts are written, what we find in both of those books is that James, the brother of Jesus, has not only become a committed believer, he's actually become a very significant leader in the church. And in verse 1 of the book of James, James here actually refers to himself as a servant of God and of Jesus Christ. So by the time he writes this book, James is a man of deep faith and understands himself as a servant of his brother, who is in fact the Lord of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a remarkable change in the person that he is. Now, we don't know the exact date that James was written. Most uh, uh, scholars would put it in the 40s to 50s A.D., And just for perspective, that's about anywhere from 15 to 25 years after Jesus died. Uh, We understand that the the, the disciples and those who knew Jesus when he died, they went out and preached. And then a little bit of time passed and they began to send these letters and eventually to write the gospel. So that puts it right within the lifetime of, of James. It couldn't be much later than the 40s or 50s because we know uh, historically that James was martyred for his faith in 62 AD. We're also not exactly sure who it is that James is writing to. We know it's Jewish Christians, but he doesn't really identify them very specifically. He only refers to them in verse 1 as, as the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. That, that's it. So Jewish Christians out there living in the world. So that's just a little bit to begin about the book of James. And now that we have this basic knowledge, I want to invite you to pray with me as we get started. So let us pray. Loving God, we pray that, that you would use the words of, of this book, the words of James, the, the scripture, your word, Lord, to speak to our hearts to make a powerful difference in our lives. Lord, and today, most pointedly, to speak to us about uh, the experiences that we have that are difficult in this life and how it is that we can have faith when life is hard. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, British author Jill Briscoe writes this, tells this story. She says, not long ago, I was babysitting one of our three-year-old grandchildren. As I waved goodbye to his parents, he looked uh, perfectly all right. We had a little story that night from his favorite storybook called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. 
I put him into bed and he went to sleep, and, but yet in the middle of the night I felt his little hand and I turned on a light and I looked at Drew and there he was, chicken pox from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Nana, he said, me is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Why should this happen to I, he says. And I thought, how Drew is like all of us. We wonder, why should something like this happen to me? We cannot believe it. We cannot believe that God would allow something to happen to such nice people like us. Well, I gave Drew a bath in porridge. We call that oatmeal. It was one, a wonderful remedy. It takes away the itch. As he swam around in his porridge bath, and he, he got better, and I took him out and wrapped him, uh, his bumpy little body, uh, in a white towel. And as I held him to my heart, he just kept saying, hold me, Nana, hold me, Nana, hold me, Nana. And I thought of Job as I held my little Job to my heart. So my question for you as we begin today is, have you ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Yeah, I think pretty much everyone could say that I've had a day like that. And in fact, I think most of us would say we've had a number of days, maybe many days like that. And if by some chance you haven't so far, God bless you. <laughs> Buckle up because your time will come. Um, because the truth of life as a human being in this world is that it can be pretty tough sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot of little things that can build up and just overwhelm us with stress. Other times, something very big happens that just knocks us out. And still, there can be other times when it seems like everything is going wrong or one thing after another keeps going wrong. I've even got a word for that when I dealing with folks who just seem to have one thing after another go wrong to the point where it just seems unfair. I, I call that a Job season. And maybe you've experienced going through a Job season where things have been so very difficult. But the reality is that this is the way life is, and no one, no one is immune. And I think it's because every one of us knows that feeling that we have when life gets hard. And that's the title of my message today, when life gets hard. I think it's because we all know that feeling intimately that James begins with this issue. So I'd like us to look at verses two uh, through four of James one. James says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, the first thing that usually catches people's eyes is that word in verse 2, joy. James says to consider it pure joy when you face trials. Joy? Joy when life gets hard? How can that be? Well, we're going to look at that, but before we really focus in on that word joy, I want us to first focus on a few other words that are going to help us to understand what's going on here. And the first word I want us to notice in verse 2 is whenever. Whenever. Because this word makes it clear that James is not giving us advice for if 
things go wrong. Not giving us advice for in some possible place, something possibly goes wrong. No, James is flat out saying bad things are going to happen, period. That's what it is. That's what life is. Even to faithful people. See, this isn't the fairy tale faith of the TV evangelists. Believe and only good things will come to you. That is not what James is talking about. James is talking about real faith. Real faith for regular people. And regular people like you and me, we know that bad things happen to everyone sometimes. Now, we need to be clear about this word trials. What exactly does James mean by this word trials? And it really helps if you understand the meaning of the word face, because it's when we face trials. And in the Greek, that word face literally means to fall into, when you fall into trials. So James' focus here is not really on the trouble we create for ourselves, and we do create a lot of trouble for ourselves, and we're going to talk about that within the context of the book of James. But here, James is primarily talking about the trials of life that we fall into, the unavoidable difficulties of life that we do not bring on to ourselves. And the reality is, again, that faith doesn't spare us from these things. The Bible does not promise us that if we have faith, bad things won't happen to us as much as we might wish that it did and as much as we sometimes fool ourselves into believing, which is only setting ourselves up for a fall. So what about the joy that James mentions What does he mean when he says, consider it pure joy whenever we face trials? Well, the first thing I want us to understand is that James is not suggesting that we should somehow be happy when bad things happen. Not at all. James is actually talking about something deeper than simple happiness. Happiness is a great emotion, but happiness is a fleeting emotion. It is really attached to our circumstances. If something good happens, if things are going well, we may feel happy, and that's wonderful. But if things are not going well, or if something bad happens, we don't feel happy. James is talking about something deeper. He's talking about joy, and the kind of joy that James is talking about, this biblical concept of joy, is something more like hope. It's a joy based on the knowledge that no matter what bad things may happen, there's something more to this life. There's something bigger than our circumstances. There is another reality, and that reality is God's love for us and God's plan for our lives. And that reality is powerful. So again, James isn't saying that if we have faith, we will be immune to hard times. What he's saying is that faith in Jesus will give us the power that we need from God to carry us through even the darkest days. And that is incredibly joyful. We can have that joy even in the midst of difficult things. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there who who knock faith, and and frankly, that's fine. People are entitled to their opinions uh, about such things. But interestingly, I don't know if you've noticed this, that when life gets hard, a lot of those same people who kind of make fun of faith sometimes change their tune. 
Because difficult times have this ability sometimes to clarify for us what is really important. And when, when we have that clarity that difficult times can bring kind of imposed on us because of life, it tends to give us a different view of things. And when, that's why when life is hard, a lot of times people really see the power of faith, or at least they become much more open to the idea of faith and begin to hope that it is real. One of the sayings that I'm, you may have heard me say is that there are very few uh, atheists at funerals. You know, you walk around downtown, and you, there are a lot of atheists, right, you know? Um, but when you're at a funeral, not so many. And the reason for that is because it's really easy to kind of play games with what you believe when life is good. But when life gets hard, and you've got to cut through all the junk of life, and you have that different perspective, oftentimes you think differently about things. When you come to a funeral and you have to stare death in the face, most people want to believe. Most people want to believe that there's something more than this. Most people want to believe that there is hope. Most people want to believe that there might be a God who loves us and has a plan. And of course, as people of faith, we know that there is. So when James mentions in in verse 3 the testing of our faith, something really important for us to understand. James is not talking about God testing us to see if we're worthy. And I think so often when we hear that word testing in the Bible, that's what we think. We think, ah, God's going to test us to see if we're worthy. That's not what it means. In fact, the reality is that it's very clear, you and I, we're not worthy. That's already very clear in the scripture. There's, there's no question about that. The Bible is very clear. Our faith is not what makes us worthy. Our faith is in a God who loves us and forgives us and will carry us through even the darkest days, even though we are not worthy. Because that's how great our God is. Because he loves and forgives and wants us. And that is powerful. That is joyful as well. So what James is talking about here, the kind of testing that James is talking about here, is really much more like the refining process. You know, how you would refine gold or or precious metals. James basically says that when our faith is tested through hard times, we tend to grow stronger. And as we do so, he uses words like perseverance, maturity, and completeness to describe the ways that God can grow us. God can, can, can give you more perseverance, can grow that muscle in you. God can create maturity in you through the difficulty. God can make you more of a complete believer and a complete person through growing us through the hard times that we face. And we don't want to miss that. Even if it is hard. And think about it, friends. Aren't usually the most important things in this life hard? I mean, that's true. Relationships are some of the very best things in this world, but they're hard. Raising kids is hard. Being married is hard. Keeping up long-term friendships is hard. Having a a job is hard. Some of the most fulfilling, most important things, the things that bring the most meaning to our lives tend to be hard. 
but it's really easy for us to forget that. And so when bad things happen, sometimes what we do is we get caught up in this idea that what we really need is for God to take the hard things away. And so we we really can get so consumed with, Lord, just please take this away that we can miss that God may in fact in that very moment be seeking to use that hard thing to grow and to change us. I think that so many of our prayers shouldn't be God take this away, but they should be God use this to make me a stronger person, a person able to handle just this kind of difficult thing in a much more faithful way. And the truth is that God grows and changes us through trials. That's a part of the joy that James is talking about. He's pointing to, again, a reality beyond our circumstances. It's not all just about what's happening. It's also about what God is doing and about what God is doing in you. And so James is able to say that even though today may be hard, God is still great. And God is still calling you and me forward to good things even though bad things can happen. And then there's this bonus to it, that even the bad things that happen, God can use for our good. So let's look at the second half of this passage. Let's look at verses 5 through 12. James writes this. He says, If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So here James offers two more pieces of advice, and the first one, in, in a way, is kind of simple. He explains that when we're stuck in a hard place, we need to ask God for help. Super simple advice, isn't it? But I want to point out the irony of how often people of faith simply forget to do that. We just get so caught up in what we're doing. We got our nose to the grindstone. Life gets hard and we just keep plowing away on our own strength and and literally forget to invite God to be a part of the struggle that we're facing. And we don't want to do that. Now, there's a second piece to this. Sometimes we're really slow to do it because we can be super stubborn. Have you ever seen somebody that's literally drowning in trouble and you say, hey, can I help you? And they're like, no, I got it. And you're like, I don't think you do. And they're like, no, I got it. You know, we're often like that. We just want to do it on our own. We know the Lord is there. We know that he's available to help us. But in our stubborn and foolish pride, we will just bullheadedly move on trying to handle things on our own and only then turn to God at the last resort when we're kind of beaten down. And it's good that we do it eventually, but we shouldn't take that long. We need to ask God for help. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Now, there's a third thing that can happen. And, and every, this has been a reality. In every church that I've ever ministered in, there have always been a few people who won't ask God for anything. They'll pray for you. They'll pray for their kids. They'll pray for the world. They, they want the Lord to bless everyone, but they will never ask for anything for themselves. Because deep down, somewhere inside, 
they don't believe they're worthy. They often won't say it that way, but when it really comes down to it, that's the issue. I don't believe I'm worthy. And if that is what you are struggling with, I really want to just challenge you because the scripture says in so many places that we are to ask the Lord to be our help. That is how this is supposed to work. So I want to put it this way to you. If I'm asking you, please ask for the Lord's help, and you're saying no, I want to ask you, why are you fighting against Jesus? Why are you disregarding the word of the Lord? Because again, it's not about whether you're worthy. I'm not worthy. Nobody's worthy. Our faith is in a God who will help us even if we're not worthy. And that's why Jesus calls us to ask for his help. That's why the scripture asks, if you had to be worthy, no one would be able to call on the Lord. Now, the example of calling on the Lord's help here that James uses in verse 5 is asking for wisdom. And, and James is really clear here that God is generous, that he's not prone to judge those who ask for help. God is always ready, always willing to give us what we need to handle the trials of life. And God is not going to throw back in our faces our sin. And I think sometimes we are reluctant to go to the Lord because of our sin. And we imagine that somehow God, our Father who loves us, would do that to us, would, would throw back our sin in our face and say, who are you? No. Our God is a Father who loves us and he is always, always happy when we come to him and always ready to give us what we need when we reach out by faith. Now, James gives a second piece of advice here, and it's a pretty pointed piece of advice. In verse 6, uh, I hope you heard this. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave tossed about uh, by the sea, bl blown and tossed about by the wind. Basically, James says, if you're going to ask God for something, mean it. Mean it. And I think this is a growing place for so many of us to ask God for things and not doubt and to really mean it. The thing that James is doing here is that James is pushing us to have real faith. Real faith. Not the kind of faith where we say nice religious things like God is great and he's going to take care of it all. And yet we don't believe that in our hearts for a minute. He's calling us to ask and to mean it and to have real faith as we do. James wants us to grow through the testing so that words like perseverance and maturity and completeness really do describe us. Because the more that we do that, the more that we grow and are changed by the Lord through the difficult things that we go through, the more we will hold up when difficult things happen, and the more useful we'll be to God when things happen, and the more useful we'll be to the people around us when life gets hard. Now, I, I want us to be clear here that James isn't referring to the doubt that most people struggle with from time to time when it comes just to the larger scope of having faith. Most everybody experiences doubt from time to time. Th that's a sermon for another day. That's not what James is talking about here. James is specifically talking about living in a place where although we believe in God, we don't really trust that he's going to act. And James calls this being double-minded in verse 8. And the truth, 
true downside of being double-minded is it means that we really don't trust the Lord. We really have not put our life in his hands fully. And if we stay in that place of double-mindedness, what James is saying is that eventually our requests to God become patronizing. They do, because we're saying, God, I trust you, and he knows that we don't. Give me this, and he knows that we have no belief that we will. And, and of course, every one of us is going to be in that place once in a while. We're not perfect believers. But if we camp out in that place, and we live in that place, and every request that we give to God is pretty much from this double-mindedness, then our requests to God become patronizing. And you know what? We can pray to God sometimes in really impressive-sounding religious words and flowery statements and, and, and maybe try to make other people think that we really are a strong believer when inside that's not true. But we're not fooling God with all of those impressive prayers and words because if they're not heartfelt, if we're double-minded, all God is hearing is blah, 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 blah. More words I'm saying that I don't really believe and that is not the real faith that James is calling us to. So James says in verse 7 that if that's our attitude, it should be no surprise that God may not in fact give us what we've asked for. We always look outward. I prayed, I didn't get it. What's wrong with God? You know, we don't look backward a lot of time and say, well, I asked, but did I really mean it? Or was it just more like a Hail Mary pass? Like, it's probably not going to happen, but if it does, boy, we'll be happy. A lack of faith usually doesn't yield a lot. So in verses 9 through 11, James touches on the trap of letting our life circumstances interfere with our faith in hard times. The person who is wealthy or powerful might make the mistake of thinking that um, all they need to weather the storms of life they already have is, is their own security. Um, they may not rely on the Lord because of that. The person who is poor and lacks power and status, well, they may think they're not worthy and they may not turn to the Lord and, and seek his help. But James calls the person of uh, high position to be humble and the person of low position to recognize their value to God. He essentially calls all of us to understand that we stand equal before the Lord in need of him. Speaking of Martin Luther King Day, we all stand equal before the Lord, equally in need of his grace, whatever our position is. So he calls each of us to a proper perspective on ourselves. We all need God. And he calls us forward by faith through whatever trials we might fall into. And every one of us are different. So he calls us forward through whatever it is that we fall into with joy and hope that the Lord will help us to get through those things, to get through anything. Well, once upon a time, there was a very old mule. And this mule had the unfortunate of falling into a dry well. Miracle was he landed at the bottom, he didn't break his legs, but he was stuck at the bottom of a dry well. Well, the farmer, after a while, heard the mule neighing and braying down in this empty well and came to see what was going on. And after he assessed the situation for a few minutes, he just decided that it really was not worth all the hassle to try to save this old mule and this old well. And so what he decided to do was call some friends together and they would just bury the mule in the well and they would be done with it. So they did, they became, and they started uh, just filling in the well, throwing dirt on top of this mule. Now, the old mule was very upset by that, right? You'd be upset if people were throwing dirt on your head too, right? 
So the mule resolved uh, as he was in the, the, the pit being, having all this dirt fall on him that, that every time dirt landed on his back, he would shake it off and step up onto that dirt. Yeah. And so that's what he did. Every time the dirt fell down, he shook it off, it fell to the ground, and he stepped up on it. Well, hours later, totally exhausted, finally this uh, mule steps out of the well. Yeah, yeah. What was actually meant to bury him helped him. When life gets hard, our call, the call of our faith is as best we can, and it's not always easy, to shake it up and to step forward in faith. Yes, to trust the Lord and step forward in faith as long as it takes. And sometimes it takes a long time. As I mentioned, sometimes we have big problems. Sometimes we go through Job seasons and there's a lot to shake off. There's a lot to deal with. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord and we keep trusting that he will give us everything we need to get through those things, we will indeed get through them. So my question for you right now is this, what difficulties are you prone to fall into? When and where do you, does life get hard for you? Where do you need to remember the big picture and to know that joy from God, even, even in the hard places? How may God be seeking to grow you right now through the struggles and the trials that you have in your life? And, I, and right now, if there are some of you here today, and there usually are at least a few people, if you're here today and you're hearing this message from a place of great pain, if you're in the midst of a terrible storm and a, or a terrible struggle and you're, you're hearing these words from that place and you're thinking, I don't know, these are nice words, Pastor. I want you to know that I'm not just explaining to you what James has to say. I want to say to you from the heart that I know personally what it is to struggle. I know intimately what it is to have great pain. I have seen the darkness in my life more than once. And I want you to know that I've been in that place. I want you to know that I've been there. And I want you to know that what James has to say is absolutely true. Faith can carry you forward through all of it. And if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be here today. And it's not just me. I know that around this room, there are so many believers that t could tell you exactly the same story. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Verse 12, last verse of the passage, James again points to the bigger picture, the bigger reality beyond our situation. And, and he says this to them in verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When life gets hard, James calls us not to a faith that makes us immune to trouble, but to a faith with the power to carry us through whatever we face. A faith that fills our heart with joy, even in the darkest days. A faith that can grow us and change us through the bad things, because our faith is in a God who is great and will give us everything that we need to face the trials we fall into. And James' final words are, a reminder that if we do, God will call us home one day and be so proud 
Not because we lived a perfect life, not because life somehow didn't knock us down, but because we lived a life that was hard sometimes and it did knock us down, but we trusted him every time and we stood up, we shook it off and we stepped up and we followed Jesus. Amen. Pray with me. Loving God, we so often fall into the trap of thinking that faith means nothing bad will ever happen. And then when something bad happens, we feel let by, down by you, we feel disappointed. But your word never says that. Your word says life is hard and that you will use even the struggles to grow us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us to know that deep in our hearts. We pray that you would fill us with that deep joy that can carry us through anything and everything, even when life gets hard. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.